What's going on, Spooky fans? Welcome back to another episode of Spooky Husband Mystery Hour. I am your ghoulish host tonight. My name is Ruben. And I'm Quinn. Hi. <laughs> Welcome with us, guys. Um, again, if this is your first time joining us, this is this podcast that we go over um, spooky, creepy, horror, mystery, drama movies, um, and then just kind of talk about them and go over our, some of our favorite parts, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, and we have everything from like the classics all the way to the new age, too. So, let's go ahead and get started right into it. I believe, Mr. Quinn, you uh, picked the movie this week, right? Yes. Yes. All right, why don't you tell us about it? So, uh, the movie I picked this week was... Bum, bum, bum. Us, starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, and Tim Heidecker. Heck yeah. Now, do any of those names ring a bell for you, Ruben? Um, not... Really, I'm more, I'm better with faces. So, like when we watch the movie, um, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I like, I know their their names from the movies. <laughs> so, do the faces ring any bells for yes. you? Okay, so so the main uh, the main actress, um, Lupita Nyong'o. Lupita, okay, that, that was her name. Yes. Um, she, yeah, she reminded me of uh, like I've seen her, I've seen her before, but I don't remember where I've seen her. Her and her on-screen uh, husband and us were actually in Black Panther. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, he played... Uh, his name is Winston Duke. He played M'Baku in Black Panther. Oh, oh, the, the, the gorilla chief guy. Yeah. Yeah, the, okay. In the mountains. And then yeah. Lupita Nyong'o played Nakia, the kind of love interest oh, for yeah. T'Challa. To T'Challa. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. That makes sense now. Um, and then, you know, Elizabeth Moss from... Uh, Invisible Man. Ooh. Oh, okay, yeah. That one's a good movie, too. I think we need to cover on here one day, because yeah. it's super good. Yeah, if you guys haven't watched it, go ahead and watch that movie. And then Tim Heidecker uh, was, of course, in Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, this movie, I... Uh, I'm going to start um, just saying I really, really enjoyed this movie. I was really anticipating it for a long time. Um, it's got a killer soundtrack. That's kind of what drew me in is that that cover of I Got Five on it from the beginning. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember that from the trailer. Yeah. No, the music was actually really nice. So something crazy about that um, I figured out after we watched the movie is that originally was just supposed to be in the trailer. Oh, really? Only in the trailer, and it wasn't supposed to feature in the movie, but we'll find out that. later that it does feature in the movie. Yeah. Um, and folks, just a quick uh, reminder, too, if you haven't seen this movie yet, um, this podcast does kind of go over some spoilers on it, so if you want to go ahead and hit pause and go watch us, and then join us back, go for it. We'll wait for you. Ready? We're waiting. Okay, and welcome back. And we're back. <laughs> um but, uh, so was this your first time watching it? First time watching it. Okay, same with mine. So we both had never seen this movie before, right? Went in blind. Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I liked it. I, I enjoyed it as well. So this movie um, stars a woman named Adelaide. Mm -hmm. um, it starts in 1986. Her and her family are at the Santa Cruz Pier, which is like the Santa Cruz, the Santa Monica Pier. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just hanging out doing family stuff. Um, her... Mother decides she has to go do something. She has to go to the bathroom. And Adelaide wanders off. Well, she's wandering off. And we see an instance of something that kind of plays a theme in this movie. Ruben, did you okay. catch it when she was wandering around? Yeah. Okay, there was a guy that had a sign that said Jeremiah 1111. Which I don't know, like, the, the Bible verse or anything like that. Or the, the script from it, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wrote that down in my notes too. Because I was like, okay, that, that's got to be something that's... 
they don't just put that sign in there, you know, for uh, for for giggles, you know. So once we get into the uh, meat of the story, pun definitely mm-hmm. intended, um, I will tell you what the significance of that verse is. I actually went and looked okay. it up because I was very curious as to Ooh. what it was. Okay. Uh, so she wanders away from her dad, and she walks down the beach to this fun house uh, okay. called Vision Quest. And she walks in, and as she walks in, a storm breaks over her. And she can hear a voice talking. Did you recognize the voice talking? No, I didn't. It was the director and writer of the movie. It was Jordan oh, Peele. Jordan Peele. Yeah, so he made kind of a little cameo appearance, oh, that's uh, just cool. in voice only, um, kind of narrating this funhouse. Now, didn't he do that also in Get Out? I think he featured in Get Out a little bit, but I don't remember where. Yeah. But I feel like he was in it. Yeah, same. That's why I was like, I wasn't sure if he did like an audio thing also with that, or if he was actually in like little cameo thing, like you know how our um, Stephen King does this, does. Yeah, I feel but, like yeah. it was his. Was, his, his are probably audio. Yeah. Um, but she goes into this haunted house, or not? I keep saying haunted. I wanted to say haunted house because of the movie. Yeah. Uh, the fun house, and it quickly becomes a not fun house because as she's wandering through the hall of mirrors, the lights cut out. Ooh. Was, which see, and then that's just creepy in itself. Hall of mirror, like you're going through a hall of mirrors and the lights go out. Mm-hmm. You can't even tell which is glass or not. I mean, I would have ran into everything. Exactly, and she does amazing. She, as I would say, she's what. Five or six. Yeah. Yeah. She starts whistling the Itsy Bitsy Spider to kind of keep herself calm. And she wanders through. She starts looking for her exits, which, good girl. You always have to know your exits no matter where you are. <laughs> I'm paranoid. We've established that in episode one. Um, and she turns the corner into a mirror. And her reflection smiles at her. Yeah, that was super creepy on on that on uh, when we got to that part. I would have lost my mind. I would have run so fast into a mirror and died. <laughs> I would have tried to sprint out of there. So, what did you think she? What do you think the the reflection was? <sighs> I, okay, for me, I wrote down like mirror demon kind of thing. Mirror demon, yeah, because I mean the show is called the movie is called Us. Yeah, I. I would. I couldn't tell. It had to have been some kind of demon or some kind of like, um, um, changeling. Oh yeah. Okay. Like they were gonna like replace or... her or whatever. Yeah. yeah. With a a fairy baby or a demon baby, yeah. essentially. So we we see this flash of a smile on this creepy alternate Adelaide, and we go to a scene where her parents are kind of arguing with a therapist saying what happened to her little girl. She was only gone for 15 minutes, and now she isn't speaking. She's not herself anymore. Her parents kind of argue, and then we go. F- we fast forward to the future. Mm-hmm. We see the kind of beginning credits. Uh, we see a kind of a recurring theme to the movie, which is rabbits. Uh, for some reason, it's a wall of rabbits just kind of chilling in wall cages. Uh, we fast forward to the future and Adelaide and her family are on vacation and they are visiting the Santa Cruz area. So the same place where she was lost when she was a kid, same right? Same place she was lost when she was a kid. And this is where I kind of picked up this weird thing when she's not interacting with her family. She has this weird look in her eyes. Like she's scared, which I get. You kind of went missing. Nobody knows what happened. You saw this twin of yours that probably yeah. freaked, freaked you out as a kid. Yeah, that would scare me too. 
So we meet her her family, uh, uh-huh. her husband Gabe, and her two kids, Zora and Jason. Mm-hmm. Now, they're precocious. Mm-hmm. They're typical kids. Uh, they kind of get into a little a little spat here. They kind of joke with each other. Yeah, do what um, siblings do. And Jason hides from Zora. Okay. I didn't catch this until I looked it up after the movie. There's an ambulance in the closet door when uh-huh. he goes to hide so that he doesn't get locked in. Yeah. That ambulance appears like four times throughout the movie. You know, now that you say that, yeah, okay, I, I recognize, I remember that now. They yeah. packed this movie so full of little details that you're like, wait, is that supposed to be something? Am I supposed to be paying attention yeah. to that? And it, it just, things keep popping up. Yeah. So, they are staying at this place, uh, it's on like a bay, and they kind of t- make a joke about, this isn't the beach, it's a bay, we're gonna go to the actual beach. Which, Adelaide's kind of, I don't really want to go, it makes me nervous, but her husband convinces her. Right. Now, part of them going to the beach, they we learn they're meeting their friends, uh, Kitty and Josh, on the beach. Uh-huh. And this kind of sets the, the tone for their relationship. Um, Gabe reveals that he has gone out and bought a boat for them to kind of enjoy on their bay <laughs> instead of going to the beach or whatever. And this boat, he says, hey, it, it pulls to the left and it just kind of sputters. And all you got to do is hit it. So he just hits the crap out of it. And we we learn that he's just kind of keeping up with the Joneses with Josh. Yeah. It's this competitive friendship. Yeah, I saw that. Like, they always had to one-up each other. Yeah. It was, it was weird. So we get to the, we see the family going to the beach, and as they're driving to the beach, they see a man getting put into a ambulance. Yeah. Holding a sign that says, what, Ruben? It was a, uh, it's a Jeremiah eleven eleven again. What could that mean? I don't know. What does it mean? I'm not sure. We'll find out. So, they go to the beach, and we meet Kitty and Josh. Um, Kitty is wine drunk, and Josh is kind of, he's kind of a frat bro, 40-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And they have two daughters. Um, I just called them the Shining Twins. I didn't write their names down because they Neither did I. Out. I couldn't even remember, I don't even remember them saying their names. But yeah, no, they kept like, they talked at the same time. And I feel like it was, Lindsay? It was a little weird. Lindsay was one of their names, but. Uh, maybe. It's not important. Yeah. Um. Zora kind of joins him on the beach with Jason, and Jason is off to the side by himself, building a sandcastle. He's playing in the sand, yeah. and one of the twins falls over his sandcastle, and they're like, what were you building anyways, you weirdo? And he says, oh, I was building a tunnel. And in the beginning of this movie, there's this kind of, uh, what would you call that? Uh, like a little, like a... A blurb? Yeah. yeah about just like a blurb. how there's tunnels that run all underneath the country. Sewers, utility lines, all of this stuff. And it's kind of one of those things, I didn't catch it, and Ruben actually pointed it out to me afterwards, uh, that it, he had said something about a tunnel, because I was like furiously writing down my notes. Um, he says he has to go to the bathroom, and he wanders off from the family. Yeah. Well, Adelaide realizes that he's missing. Rightfully so, she freaks out. I mean, as any good parent should. So. While she's freaking out looking for him, Jason is seen walking down the beach past Merlin's Quest, which is what Vision Quest has now become. Right, so they, yeah, they, they updated it out. Yeah, they changed it to this, this wizard-themed yeah. 
Funhouse. And you're like, that's kind of strange that it's still there. It's almost like one of those things in The Simpsons where something just changes name and a character visits it again later yeah. on. He goes to the bathroom and as he leaves, he sees this man. I call him the, the bloody scarecrow man. Scarecrow man. Okay. Uh, he looked like a scarecrow and he had blood kind of dripping off of his dripping, fingers. Yeah. Thought that was really weird. They don't really touch base on that again. But it's just kind of one of those, that's unsettling. Yeah. With everything that we think is going to happen in this movie. And which is really weird because there's so many people just like walking by him and not saying anything or even looking at him and, and everything. I'm sorry. If somebody was like covered in, a, in blood and like on the beach looking, just standing there, I, I think that would, uh, I would feel like they would get a lot more, uh, more traction, more, more traffic looking at you or more people talking you know hey sir do you need help hey yeah, this let getting me call some the kind of attention yeah exactly paramedics mm, something just let this guy bleed it's fine yeah no he's fine he's fine yeah it's the red water he's cool. oh, there we go <laughs> jason rejoins his family and of course adelaide freaks out because she's okay she's got history here uh we find out that she hasn't she's kind of said that she's nervous but she hasn't really said why to anyone yet yeah um, at their house that evening, they're going to bed, um, Zora being a teen, and Jason and Adelaide are having a talk before bedtime. And they kind of do this hand-holding thing. She says, I'll always be here for you. I've got you or whatever. And he stops their conversation and says, look, and points across the room at the alarm clock. And it says... 11-11 again. Again, 11s. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Uh, there was two more times that it popped up at 11 11. Did you catch that? No. There was one on the TV whenever, um, before uh, Adelaine goes to go see the kids, um, Gabe is watching the football game, and the score is 11 to 11. Yep. You didn't even catch that. Uh huh. And then there was another one of reflection in one of the mirrors um, where there was like a poster and it was like. Uh, number 11 of this like football player or somebody and it was right against the mirror so it said 11 11 again no way yeah i didn't even catch that yeah i thought i heard the end of the movie but i wasn't sure uh when they're at the carnival at the beginning but i don't think it was i think i i blended it with the guy holding the sign that said 11 11 uh, i'm not sure when I she got the prize that. at the beginning, I thought she yeah. picked it. Yeah, no, she did because she uh, when she picked a prize from one of the guys, she said that she wanted number eleven again. She wanted prize number eleven, and he was like eleven, eleven, and they just kept saying the word number eleven. Eleven does over show up throughout this movie yeah. a lot. Which now that we've said it, now that I'm, I'm my gears are spinning here, that actually um, other than being in the movie a bunch of times, the director Jordan Peele actually had the cast watch 11 horror movies oh really before they started filming so that they would all be speaking the same language coincidentally enough we actually see one of those movies throughout us okay one of the movies was jaws and jason the son is wearing a jaws t-shirt throughout the beginning of the movie yeah that's right he was mm-hmm yeah and jason coincidentally also ties into another horror movie with his name and his constant wearing of a mask. You know, that was weird. I thought they always had a mask. But now that you say that, the first thing that pops into my mind is Jason Voorhees. Friday the 13th. Yep. Or in this case, Friday the 11th. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad joke. <laughs> so they have this talk and Adelaide goes to bed where her husband's trying to get a little frisky. 
and she's kind of staring out the window and she comes clean and tells him, hey, I, we came to this beach before, I met this person who was like my doppelganger and being here makes it feel like she's closer and there's like a black cloud hanging over me and I don't like it. Yeah. And as she, of course, finishes her big revelation, the power cuts off. Of course. Uh, of course. Here's where you cue that... Da dun dun. <laughs> that yeah, the the the, spe- the spooky intro music. That, sp- yeah, yeah, the spooky trailer music. Where all your hairs stand yeah. up and everything gets real creepy. <laughs> so they all meet in the foyer of the house, uh, right by the front door. And as they're kind of discussing, hey, what's going on? Jason points out there's a family in the driveway. See, okay. Now, here's the other thing, too, that I, I, I kind of wrote this down, and tell me if you feel the same way. When he kept saying, like, his little one-liners, they were creepy as hell. So creepy. Like, and the way he just did it, it was all subtle. Dad, there's a family in the driveway. Very just like, what? plain. And he was like the, the no chorus. No emotion, yeah. The chorus in a Greek tragedy. He was just like an observer. He just said, hey, this is what's happening. Yeah, it was... Like it, it made it made the movie have like a really great ambiance because you're like, what's going on? What is he talking about? What's happening? Yeah, it was just creepy. So Gabe goes outside to kind of tell these people, hey, get off the port or get out, get out of here, get out of the driveway. This is weird. You're being weird. Get out. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything. So he goes back inside and he's like, all right, it's time to like get real with these people. We need to get them to leave. After he's made fun of his family for saying, we need to call the cops. Mm -hmm. So he comes in and he says, let me, (laughs) let me get this handled. He asks uh, for the baseball bat that they keep in the house for home defense and Zora, who becomes Zora Warrior Princess throughout this movie. And I love everything about her. She was my, honestly, like my all time favorite character. She was the best. Like, this is where it started to get like super good. And I was like, yes. And yeah, Zora, Zora did not, uh. She didn't hesitate. No, she, she like she, oh, yeah, I loved she was it. awesome. She goes immediately. Everybody's like, "What? What baseball bat?" She knows where it is. She grabs it and she hands it to Gabe. She's like, "Take care of this." Yeah. He goes outside and he gets the 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 man voice. He drops his voice like three octaves and he's like, "We're gonna have a problem if y'all don't get out of here." Uh, horror movie mistake number one. And when he says this, the family in the driveway. They move, and it made all yeah. of my hair stand up. I oh yeah, like somebody clicked or or like snapped their fingers or something, and everybody just scattered. It was creepy. One of the the children crawls on all fours and like makes this yeah noise that was, with his that mouth. Was, that was weird. It scared the shit out of me. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. So in in true fashion, Gabe is like, Nah, I'm I'm good. <laughs> See, but that's you can't call out the whatever's chasing you or the evil thing unless you're really gonna fight. I mean, come on now, that's like I said, you're you're just asking for bad stuff if you're gonna call it out beforehand. Yeah, if you confront it or give it, yes. if you give it power by acknowledging it. Yeah, no, if, it, you you better be ready to fight if something like that happens. That's one of my only rules, like in in horror movies. Like, all right, no, first grab your weapon and then we're gonna just start swinging. Just go to town and we're fighting. We're yeah. swinging hard. We're, we're we're not going down without a fight. So Gabe runs in the house, he shuts and locks the door behind him, and he tells the family, call the cops, make sure. And Adelaide says, they'll be here in 14 minutes. I, this wasn't a priority. <laughs> they'll be here when they get here. Zora realizes she's left her window open. 
when you have four crazy people outside in their red jumpsuits creeping around. That's so weird. That's it's oddly strange. Zora runs to shut her window. Adelaide's close behind her. They leave Jason with Gabe. And that's when we realize there's a hidden key on the front porch and one of the people has grabbed it and is opening the door. <laughs> Gabe runs up. He tries to block the door. He gets hit with the baseball yeah. bat. Yeah, he got hit on his leg or like on his thigh. And in his arm. And the door comes open and the person at the door is revealed to also be Gabe. In mm-hmm. a red jumpsuit and brown sandals. Shadow Gabe. Shadow Gabe. We'll call him <laughs> Shadow Gabe. He's from the Shadow Realm. The family kind of scatters and they join back up in the living room where we see the uh, the other family. Yeah. And it's revealed that they're all shadows. They're all the shadow versions of the family. Yeah. Uh, Adelaide's, um, I would say, say altar shadow. Yeah. Is red, mm-hmm. which we only learn her name through the closed captions. They actually never say her name. Yeah. Um, she has two children, Pluto and Umbre. Um, yeah. And then her husband's name we learn is Abraham. Abraham, but yeah. She goes into this speech about a woman or a girl who was a princess and she lived with her shadow and she got to have the, the girl got to have warm food and nice things. And the shadow only had cold blood rabbit and pain and she never got any good gifts. And the woman got to give birth to two beautiful children and the shadow had to pull her own child out and do everything on her own. And she does this, the way she speaks I props to Lupita Nyong'o for this, the way she does this, it's this gasping, like... Raspy voice kind of thing. Haunting yeah. voice. I actually looked it up. <gasps> yeah. It, it almost think, sounds yeah. like that. It's weird. And that is actually, uh, has a name, and I wrote it down here. It's called spasmodic dysphoria. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, a neurological condition that causes your larynx to spasm uncontrollably. Really? And it can actually be caused by traumatic events. Huh. Okay. So. Yeah. That's where it's kind of based on. She actually got in a little bit of trouble for it uh, because of the way that it was kind of used in the movie. Mm-hmm. But she discussed it and it was like, this is kind of, has a basis in reality to yeah. my character. And she actually had to see a specialist to make sure that she wouldn't hurt herself in making this doing, voice. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's you're dropping your voice pretty low, and then doing that over a long period of time, that's got to be damaging to your vocal cords. Yeah, and uh, you don't know how many takes this took. Yeah, exactly. At this point, Red kind of pairs off the alternates with their real life counterparts. Um, she kind of gives this wink nod to Abraham, like take care of Gabe, who's kind of already struggling. He's been hurt already. Um, and they kind of... See, and one thing, too, I, I just wanted to kind of chime in on that one, too. Gabe wasn't my favorite per- Like, one of, like, my favorite characters in the movie. I thought he was a... He kind of complained a lot. He or, did... Not, not really complained. I, I, 
I would go with that he didn't want to believe anything that was kind of happening. Yes, he was you very know? much, I'll see, I'll believe it when I see these things actually happening. Yeah. This versus, isn't really a thing. Versus Addie and Zora where they were like, nope, this stuff's happening, get ready, let's go. Just, we gotta start, mm-hmm. we gotta start surviving. We're gonna fight these, these yeah. shadows, these alternates yeah. of us. Versus him, he was like, take whatever you want and leave and, you know, all this stuff. And Which, I mean, I know a lot of people do that if they had like a home invasion and stuff, but, I mean... It, if you see your double ganger trying to break into your own house, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit more than a robbery. And you just said the magic word, Ruben. What? You just said doppelganger. Yeah. So in German belief, doppelganger actually, um, to see your doppelganger is uh-huh. important of bad luck. It really? means your death is approaching. Ooh. Okay. That's creepy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, you said it and actually the way you pronounce it uh-huh. sounds like double ganger. And it's like, it's perfect because it's yeah. a double of you. And it's exactly. like, oh, doubles of everybody. Yeah. So we see Zora's and her double go off to do, or Zora. Um, it tells Zora to run. Yeah. Yeah. To like and just kind of get away. And then the double game goes after her. They're both right? hauling ass. Yeah. yeah. Which leaves Red or Adelaide and Jason and Red and Pluto. Mm-hmm. And Pluto also, coincidentally, is wearing a mask. And this is where we find out that Pluto likes fire. Yeah. Do you see what kind of a mask he had on, though? Uh, like a burn victim mask, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. And this is where we find out... Um, Jason's had this kind of fidgety toy that he's been playing with. The whole movie, he's been saying it's a magic trick. You don't really know what it is. Him and Pluto go into a closet. And they're just sitting there playing. And he's playing with his little fidgeter. And he's removed his mask. And Pluto's removed his. And we see that Pluto is burned. Like he has burns on his face. Yeah, all around his face, all over. Yeah. And as they're sitting there talking... The toy, the fidget, kind of finally works. Yeah. And it's a flint starter, which causes Jason, uh, or Pluto, to freak out. Right. Gives Giving Jason a chance to escape from this closet that he was hiding in earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. It locks behind him because that ambulance isn't in the way. It's now in the hallway. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. So it locks the door behind him, leaving uh, Pluto locked in there, thankfully. Adelaide has gotten into a little scuffle with Red. She's been handcuffed to a table. Mm-hmm. Red hears the fight, kind of the scuffling of Pluto trying to get out, and gives time for Adelaide to pick up a freaking fireplace poker with her toes. That was talented. Her that was, toes, that was people. super talented, actually. And she wedges it in the table, breaks herself free. She's still handcuffed. Her hands are still together. Mm-hmm. Please keep that in mind. <laughs> That is a very important factor in this movie. We see that Zora is fighting her doppelganger. They are on opposite ends of a car staring at each other. And this makes me so nervous. One of my things is people being under my car stabbing me in the feet. No, see, yeah. I would have jumped up on top of the car. Would you have, Ruben? Is that something you would have done? Actually, yes. No, like, okay, if, if you're if you're walking around a car all of a sudden, and then the person jo- drops down, and you're like, oh, did they, they go to the right? Did they go or anything? Instead of looking underneath the car, why don't you actually just, like, kind of jump on top of the car so you can kind of, I don't know, look, look down and be like, okay, I'm going to run to the left, I'm going to run to the right. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do all this other stuff. Folks, you can't see this, but I'm checking to make sure Ruben's not wearing a red jumpsuit because that's exactly what Umbre does. She jumps <laughs> on top of the car, and we have a little standoff between Zora, who honestly she's just looking at her altar like, I wish you would. I wish you would put your hands on me because this will be over. <laughs> And this is where she gets kind of saved. She gets distracted by a neighbor. The neighbor comes out and says, hey, get off my car. What the hell's wrong with you? Zora takes off running. And in the background, we see that her alternate has stabbed the guy, but in a non-lethal way. She's kind of hamstringed him. Yeah. She's gotten yeah, him in like the leg. She, yeah, she stabbed him in the legs. And I was like, that's kind of weird. I figure you're evil shadow people. You kill everybody, right? Right. Like, that should be yeah, your I mean, thing. That should be your thing. We this we get the the story in pieces at this point. We're seeing right. everybody kind of fighting their altar. Right. Um, Gabe and Abe, which is very easy to remember because they're same names. Uh, Gabe and Abe have made it to the boat, and they are fighting. Uh, Gabe has been incapacitated. He's wrapped in a plastic bag while his alternate Abe is driving the boat. The boat sputters, which gives Gabe the perfect opportunity to kick the shit out of Abe, and get safe from the boat. Unfortunately, uh, they both wind up outside of the boat. But, fortunately for them, Abe gets wrapped up in the lifesaver, life preserver cord. Did you see it? I didn't know if you saw his foot get caught into it. Yeah, no, I did see that. So when he falls off, and they're kind of in the water, Gabe is trying to swim away. And the boat starts up and drags Abe away from him, saving his life at the last minute because he has a knife or actually the pair the, of the golden pair of scissors. Because yeah. all of the altars carry these golden scissors. Yeah, you saw that too, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I noticed that also. I had a, I have a little weird theory about that. Okay. Um, well, okay. So there, there's something else that I don't know if you caught or anything like that. But whenever um, Red was kind of telling the story about the shadows and stuff like that, she also said she was being tested by God. Yeah, she was saying that she was being tested and everything like that, and to change her fate. So, what else cuts the red strings of fate? Gold scissors. The red strings they're, of fate. They're uh, they're all dressed in red, carrying golden scissors. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's like a leap or anything like that, but I, I saw that and I was like, maybe maybe there's a connection with something. I don't know. I just thought of something, Ruben. What said that? that? So, the beginning of this movie. We're introduced to this trailer. The This TV set is showing a commercial for Hands Across America. Uh-huh. Where we're going to join hands from the West Coast all the way to the Twin Towers. We're going to hold hands. We're going to tether ourselves together in human kindness. Yeah, I remember that. That's I mean, little... I remember the commercial. Do you think that's like a foreshadowing bit? I don't know. I feel like that's something we should put a note in because well, maybe. strings, cutting, tethering. Yeah. Strangely. Strangely. Okay. We get back to the house and Adelaide has managed to kind of corral the kids. She's safe. They're trying to figure out a way to get the hell out of here. When the boat pulls up, Gabe has managed to kill his alternate by... Doing the most badass thing I think he does the entire movie. Yeah, on a, yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Hardcore. The boat pulls to the left and rescues him while he's swimming in the lake. Uh-huh. And as he climbs aboard, his alternate attacks him from behind. 
he slams his forehead into the motor, causing it to start, and shoves the propeller into his guts and kills him. Yeah. That yeah, no, that was epically cool. I was like, okay, he's actually he's actually fighting now. He's actually doing stuff. Totally badass. I loved it. He was yeah. just like, fuck it, I'm gonna headbutt it. They managed to get on the boat, and as they're leaving, we see Pluto on all fours skittering around in the bushes and he comes out and then we see red who we we've seen her move throughout the this brief intro to her yeah the way she moves is like a it's stiff but graceful at the same time like Like a a robot dancer a robot dancer yeah okay she has this like she shuffles but it's like her feet never touch the ground she's gliding and she always carries her scissors directly in the middle of her chest. Which I think is really weird. That's not a very good jabbing position, you know? Yeah, okay. No, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It kind of gives you a lot of like flexibility and movement, too, sometimes. You can't see it, know. but we are both stabbing the air, air. with our invisible gold scissors. <laughs> just stabbing. <laughs> I thought in this part that they were just going to go in true horror movie fashion... We're just going to take this boat and go until the gas runs out or we run out of water. Um, turns out that's not where we're heading. In the interim of them figuring out where they're going, we see that Kitty and Josh are at their house. Their their vacation home. They're saying the they're going to... right? Yeah, yeah. It was the friends. Yes, the friends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they've decided they're, you know, they're leaving the next morning and Kitty... The lights cut off and Kitty wakes Josh up because he's fallen asleep with his drink on the couch. <laughs> and their emergency generator comes on, which is something I thought was weird. I was like, hmm, strange that they they would have a backup generator and the lights just briefly cut off. I wonder if this puts like a hitch in anybody's plans or anything. So they look outside. They don't really see anything. And then their daughters come out, the twins. And as they're telling the twins to go back to bed, the twins also have altars. So you have double the twins. You have quadruplets, but two of them are evil. <laughs> they immediately kill their altars. Mm-hmm. And then Bad Josh, who is actually his name in, <laughs> in the captions, in the movie. was Bad Josh and Bad Kitty, which I thought was hilarious. They attack their people and kill their... We learn that... They just kill themselves, which I think we've kind of touched on. I thought it was yeah. very strange. Kitty tries to kind of get help from Bad Josh, and he ignores her and lets Bad Kitty kill her. Right. And as she's being killed, she asks their, um, I would call it their Alexa, their Google. It's uh-huh. called Ophelia uh, to play, uh, to call the police. And it hears Play Fuck the Police by N.W.A. <laughs> so you Great have this, song. Great song. <laughs> this murder scene playing out <laughs> to Fuck the Police. The Wilsons, Adelaide and Gabe and their kids, mm-hmm. pull up on the dock and they go up to the house and Josh answers the door. Except... It's not Josh. Which I didn't think any of the characters noticed, but we see Adelaide notice that he's wearing a red jumpsuit underneath his robe. Yeah. And she immediately is like, oh, shit. So she kind of stops the kids, but they pull her into the house. Well, no. Well, before they even did that, uh, before they even pulled her into the house, she just swung. 
She, she had did. she had the that the fire poke the the fire pick thing from from the from the fireplace and as soon as she saw Josh she just went whack right on right against the side of his head. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. I was so just entranced by everything else that was happening in this movie. Badass Adelaide with her hands handcuffed pokes this dude in the forehead with like a right fire in the poker kind of thing. Yeah, incredible. He just starts screaming, which I think. All of the altars are mute. I think so too, because they only like communicated like with grunts and stuff. Yeah, except for red. Except for red, yeah, which she had the the raspy the, little uh, grass. Yeah. So she gets pulled to the house. Yep. We don't know what's going on. Bad Josh gets out, and of course, poor Gabe <laughs> is hobbling around with his jacked up leg. Which I I don't know. Like, was it broken? Was it what? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't thought he know. got stabbed, but I didn't see a wound. Yeah, neither did I. I mean, I know he got hit by the bat, which, I mean, I know that's got to hurt and stuff like that, but... Maybe the alternates are super let's strong. Go. Yeah, maybe? Okay. Who knows? Yeah? We see them go to the dock where their little, their little dinghy with the messed up boater and Josh's big boat called the Biatch. Or the Biatch. We're calling it the biatch because I like that one better. An epic fight happens on the boat. Um, we don't know what's happening. We go back into the house while this is happening. It's, this happens a lot in the movie is we're seeing parts of a fight. Yeah. And then the beginning of another fight or another scene kind of happening. Yeah. I had to keep paying attention because I was like, wait, okay, hang on. We're jumping scenes again. Where are we going next? Yeah. Who are we seeing now? And folks, I'm not going to lie. This was very hard on me. I have a hard time paying attention as it is. And Ruben, how many pages did I write down in notes during this movie? Fifty-five. No, not really. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was like, ten. Oh, we'll see. I was close. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they pulled her back into the house. We're in the house now, right? Yes. Okay. Kitty has handcuffed Adele. Uh, Adele. I keep wanting to call her Adele, and I don't Why'd you know. Just call her Addie. Addie. We'll call her Addie from now on. It makes it easier. Yes. Addie is handcuffed to the bed. This mm. poor woman cannot get out of these damn handcuffs. <laughs> and Kitty is watching this fight, and she's kind of being weird. Mm -hmm. She's put on lipstick. She's, like, dancing around, watching this fight through the window. Downstairs, Zora, Warrior Princess, and Jason have arrived. She walks in and immediately grabs a weapon. Which, that, again, horror movie logic, that's the first thing you do. You grab a weapon, you defend yourself. She grabs a golf club. Good for her. Perfect. Perfect. And this kind of exchange happens with her and Jason. She kind of looks at him and tells him, like, grab a weapon without yeah. saying anything. And he grabs a geode on a stand. And she, in true big sister fashion, looks at him and rolls her eyes so hard. I think the movie rewound for a second. Because <laughs> she just, you can hear him go... <laughs> Like one of those rotary phones just click back into her head. <laughs> they go upstairs, and as they go upstairs, this red jumpsuited person freaking cartwheels out of the hallway. And Zora, without missing a beat, without going, oh, maybe it's, who is this? Yeah. Just starts no. wailing on her. Yeah, she just <laughs> swung and whacked her right in the head as well. Throws the evil twin off the balcony onto the coffee table. Yep. Boom. One twin down, one to go. Because we see the other twins are in the hallway. As they come around the corner into the bedroom hallway, this scene made me really uneasy. 
the other twin is slow motion somersaulting out of the closet. Yeah, that was creepy. It was it was weird. Slow motion dancing Not creeps really creepy, me out. But it was just weird. And she kind of grabs Zora and Zora turns around and just starts wailing on her. Knocks her out, gets her out of the way. And she walks into the bedroom to see her mom chained up and Kitty laughing at this fight that she can see out the window that we assume, because she's laughing, that her alter husband is winning. Yeah. Zora raises the golf club to get her and she sees a reflection. She immediately turns around and pulls out her golden scissors. Yep. They all got golden scissors. And tries to attack her while her mother, Addie, is watching. She can't really do anything. She's handcuffed to the bed. Right. And Jason, sweet, sweet Jason and his little geode, comes around and just whacks her in the head. And again, without skipping a beat. See, this family, he, they're doing good. These kids are what I want my kids to be. Right? I want like, my kids to be able to defend me from a murder at the drop of a hat. Right? Like, they're not even going to ask questions. They're just going to swing. <laughs> so at this point, our, our, our win count here is we have eight altars. We have eight humans. We're down... Four altars? Yeah, five altars like at yes, this point? Something like that. Um, and we are at five people left. We go back to the boat, and Gabe has defeated Bad Josh. <laughs> we don't know how. He just, but he is he defeated shows him. up and he's like, yeah, he killed, I killed Bad Josh. So they go into the house and they're trying to call 911 over and over and over and over. And they just keep getting, hey, our people are busy. Blah, 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 blah. Leave a message. And one of the... Was it one of the kids or was it Gabe that kind of points out... This is weird that it's not just... No, it was Josh, again, with his creepy one-liners. Yeah, it was... Yeah, Jason, sorry. Yeah, it was Jason with his just creepy one-liners of like, I wonder how many double people there are. How many of us... Are there? Yeah. Which, by the way, um, I'm going to institute a new rule while you're listening to this podcast. If the movie says the name of the movie in it, you have to drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, no, he says, uh, yeah, I wonder how many more of us there are out there, you know, or how many more double people. And so the first thing that they do is they turn on the TV. And this, next to seeing the family in the driveway, mm-hmm. was the single most disturbing thing in this movie for me and i can't tell you why seems like there was a lot of disturbing things for you in this movie this was the worst this <laughs> okay. was the worst part of it <laughs> okay so the newscasters talking about these people in red jumpsuits have appeared at the beach and have just started killing people we don't know if it's some kind of performance art or a protest and they go to a person on the street recording with their phone and there is a line of people in red jumpsuits linked together they're holding hands across the street and it just clicked something in my brain i almost wanted to turn the movie off <laughs> it made me shiver uh-huh. it i don't know if you saw me but i immediately was like no this is this has to stop <laughs> it immediately just freaked me out someone in a red jumpsuit approaches the cameraman kills them right this is when the family decides we gotta go we're getting out of here and again, point to mom and negative point to dad because dad was like, no, we're just going to stay here at the house. We have food. We got electricity. We got a backup generator. We'll be fine. No. Everybody was like, no, we need to leave. If everyone's going to that line, we need to go ahead and get out of here now. Yeah. Which, smart. Good for them. No, get out. Get out while you have, while you can. Shit. Get out. Also directed by Jordan Peele. Drink. 
At this point, we learn that Gabe has sworn off boats for the duration of the movie. He says, no more boats. We're taking the car. Everybody runs to the car. Halfway down, Adelaide realizes they don't have the keys. Mm-hmm. She runs back inside and sees the keys are on the kitchen counter. When she sees them, she also realizes the dead twin from the coffee table yeah. is missing. Yep. Yeah. I noticed that too, that the body was gone. She runs to grab the keys and as she's grabbing them, she reaches and grabs a cast iron skillet, which I love as a weapon. And when she grabs it and turns around, the twin is there and she oh. pow, knocks her out. She's yeah. Again, not even missing a beat and just swinging, swinging her heart out. No, no questions That's asked. Awesome. She runs to the car and Zora's in the driver's seat. Zora says, I'm driving. You're handcuffed, dad's legs injured, and I have the highest body count. I killed both twins. See, and again, that's going to probably be like my, that's like my family when we're all talking during like an apocalypse or some scary stuff like that going on. Nope, I kill more people. I get to drive. <laughs> I kill more people. I win. <laughs> so she's sitting in the driver's seat. She refuses to go. She tells Adelaide, kick rocks, girl. Get in the back seat. They turn the lights on in the car and standing in the middle of the road is Zora's alternate. Yeah. And Gabe says, put it in reverse. Let's just go. No. No. Again. They're going to come after you no matter what. Might as well kill them. We have Zora. Zora Warrior Princess puts it in gear and pedal to the metal. Good for her. Goes to run down her altar. I I would like to think I would do that. Yeah. And this is where altars, we see altars have some kind of alternate abilities. They're crazy. She... Walks up on the car and disappears. Is she under it? Is she over it? We don't know. Gabe looks through the sunroof and there she is. She's stabbing, trying to get in. And it seems to me she's only focusing again on Zora. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, she was focusing more. I mean, I wasn't sure if she was just because she was driving or what. You know, trying to stop this. Yeah, just trying to stop this. Yeah. Everybody's trying to, is freaking out trying to get her off of this car. And Gabe has the the presence of mind to turn the windshield wipers on so she can't hold on. And they slam on the brakes. She flies off. And Addie gets out of the car to go check, which I am against. If the person trying to murder you has flown off of your car, run. Just keep going. Double tap. Double tap. I don't believe in that right now. (laughs) We see that Zora's out. So that only leaves us with two altars left. Mm Mm-hmm. The family continues to drive, and I'm assuming it's a couple of hours. Uh, maybe it's just been a long night because the sun is coming up when they get to the beach. Yeah, they uh, get back to San Monica or and, Santa Cruz. Yes, and it seems like Adelaide has taken over driving, even though she is in handcuffs. They get to the beach, and in the middle of the road is their car on fire. Yeah. In the back seat, we see Jason is still playing with his little toy. He's just probably nervous sick. He's just getting comfortable. Yeah. Adelaide stops the car and Pluto, Jason's altar, is standing in front of the burning car. Well, I don't know. Did you notice that they um, they hit something? I did not notice they yeah. hit something. Yeah, because that's why that was the whole reason why they stopped is because whenever they saw the car and they were still driving forward, the car went gagunk. And they were like, did we just hit something? I don't know. And Holy then, shit. uh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's why. Because, um, the other part of it was, uh, whenever they started to, when she backed up and you saw Pluto there in front of the car and he was like, yeah, what's up? You know? And she was like, give me the, the poker. 
Yeah. Uh, she, they do this wordless exchange. Yeah. Her and her husband, he, she looks at him and he just hands her the, the fire poker. And she gets out to go talk to Pluto. I don't know what her goal was. Um, but as she's talking to him, we see that there is a trail of gas leading from where he's standing yeah. to the family's. That's why he got hit to cut the line. See, I didn't even I didn't even think of that. No, I was just yeah. like, this just happened. Okay, I accept it. I accept that this is No, yeah, happened. that's why. Because, yeah, that's that was the, the little gunk thing that you heard in, in the movie. Weird. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't catch that. I didn't catch it at all. Yeah. So Pluto is still steadily flicking his finger, and we go back to the car and see that Jason has put his mask up on his head. And as he does so, Pluto does the same thing. Seems to be that they mirror each other within there within eyesight. Yeah, whenever they're more connected, I saw that too. And at this point, we realized that it wasn't Jason that was flicking. It was actually Pluto, because Pluto had a match in his hand to flick and burn Yeah, and he was going to, yeah. Realizing this, Jason begins to walk backwards to make Pluto walk backwards into the flames of the car. It was really an interesting, kind of sad to kind of watch him have to do that. Yeah. And I didn't know if it would hurt him, you know, because I don't know if that pain transfers. At this uh, point, I'm assuming not. Yeah, I don't think so. He walks backwards, and as he's standing there watching his altar die, materializing out of the the side of this vehicle next to him, Red grabs him and runs. And immediately, Addie is... she. Runs. She's, that's my son. I'm going to go. Right. She tells her, she tells Zora and Gabe, get help. And they go to an ambulance, tying this whole thing together <laughs> with this ambulance. <laughs> and at this point, she goes and she's thinking, okay, this is my altar. I know where she's from. Right. She's from this fun house. Exactly. Because, I mean, you got to go back to where it all first started. Yeah. Back to the beginning. She walks into this fun house and at the very back where she met her altar before she finds a door and when she opens it there's a rabbit on the door and as she opens it a rabbit comes out she's exploring this kind of utility corridor there's lots of pipes and like heaters and stuff yeah at this point i was a little weirded like weirded out as to she seemed to know exactly where she was going like she knew where to go to find her and there was no tracks or anything for her to track. Well, there was, I mean, there was arrows on, on the walls. I don't know if you saw those. I did not see the arrows. Yeah, there was there was arrows that was pointing like down this hallway, down this hallway, down this hallway. So I think she just followed she the arrows. She was being led there. Yeah. She opens a door and sees an escalator leading down to this hallway. It's like a mall corridor of just white walls with rooms off to the sides and benches in the middle. And she's hearing these noises. She walks into a room, and Red is there, cutting something. And she's drawing people holding hands across the chalkboard, which is tying everything. They're tying it all in a nice, neat package in the last, like, 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Adelaide wants to confront her, and Red launches into a speech again about how... You sly dog, you got me monologuing again. Yes, she monologues. (laughs) And this is where we find out... That during the interim of her missing, of Adelaide being missing for 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. Red has captured her, handcuffed her to a bed, and taken her place. Mm -hmm. So the reason she was mute is because 
the altars or the tethers, we now learn they're called, mm -hmm. that were created and abandoned, don't speak. They just mimic the people that they're... Supposed to mimic. Yeah, essentially yeah. clones. They're tethered to. They share a soul. Yeah. Which now you're like, oh, that's why you have this weird speech pattern. That's why there's this whole fight. Mm -hmm. We get this final fight scene between the big bad and the hero of our movie. Which was actually really cool. I did I did like this fight scene. This fight scene was was pretty neat with the with the way that she moved, with the way that Red moved. And, Beautifully choreographed. Yeah. And we see that, she, that Adelaide used to be a dancer, or Red, or whoever this person is now, used yeah. to be a dancer as a kid. One of them was a dancer. And it's this back and forth with Red fighting Adelaide, and Adelaide fighting Red, and Red constantly, kind of every turn, just skipping around her. You know, yeah, and just stabbing her and yeah, yeah, everything. Doing little digs. Yeah. And eventually they go into this bunk room and Red strives for her final, you know, her final stab and Adelaide turns and gets her. And then she chokes her up. She breaks her neck with her handcuffs. That was cool. I'm not going to lie. It looked like she was going to go in for a hug and then she's like started to strangle Choked her. Choked her up. Yeah. yeah I thought they were going to be like this. Yeah. We can live. Like, oh, I forgive you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, you know. Which, I mean, it goes back to my rule, double tap, make sure. Double tapping. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where it seems like the person we now know as Adelaide, something kind of snaps, something clicks back together, I feel like, and she gets kind of a little wild-eyed again. Yeah. She goes and rescues Jason, who's been hiding, and he sees it. He's kind of like, I don't... I don't I don't know, you're, you're weird now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not feeling this, whatever's going on here. Right. They escape to the ambulance. And as they're leaving, they see these people. They have gone from the ocean all the way across, as far as the eye can see, is people holding hands across the country. Mm -hmm. And there's news cameras following it. So there's obviously still living people. And Adelaide gives this look to Jason, and like... And that little smirk. This little weird smirk that we yeah. saw Red uh. do throughout the movie. And kind of gives him a wink, and he just puts his mask down. And that kind of ends the movie. Right. So, now we know the movie, we know what's going on with it. I wanted to bring back up that Jeremiah quote. Oh, okay. So, the Jeremiah 11.11 is, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not uh, hearken unto them. Which is essentially, I now am realizing after I've said it, it's the people who have created these tethers. We've created this evil, and we're just gonna, they're gonna cry for help, and we're just gonna abandon them. Exactly. They're just left to their own devices, which we're leads to Red and her revolution of, you know, bringing the tethered to the surface to live their lives and take their places. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, that, I, no, I was. That's interesting. Reading that, I was like, "Oh, okay. That okay. Makes, no, that makes a lot that of sense. That makes a now. lot more sense." Yeah. Um, I. I'm just gonna say we can do our ratings now. Um, I. Well, actually, there was supposed to be something else that I was gonna gonna tell you too. Did you notice? Like, okay, you know how in the beginning of the movie, like Addie seems more, or Adelaide, like you call her, um, seems just like kind of composed and everything like that all together. And as the movie keeps going, she gets more like frantic, more like. Uh, I mean, stressed, uh, crazy, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Did you notice that her clothes start off white, and then as they keep going, they keep getting darker and darker in, color, in shades of red? 
No. And she has sla uh, uh, sandals on, just like the people in the red jumpsuits. And pretty much by the end of the movie, her all of her clothes are covered in red. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Like that. Now I'm thinking about it. It's like she became red. Yeah, she, exactly. Like she went back to her original person, like how she was. They, she became you know? her alternate. Yeah, exactly. That's creepy. That is creepy. It but, is really creepy. But uh, yeah, no. Actually, I would say overall, this was a really good movie. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I yeah. wasn't anticipating to like it as much as I did. The only thing I would change, I think, would be the movie, uh, the ending. Um, the ending kind of felt a little. I wanted more of a a package. With all of those, they were trying to tie everything together. Right. I feel like we didn't get a full little bow on top of the package. I got that. Okay. Uh, I can totally see where, where you're coming from on that one, too. Yeah, I did have some questions, too, that would want to be a little bit more answered. But, Like, yeah. who created the altars? Why did they leave them? Why did they abandon them? Yeah. So, since we, we can't get those questions answered, I do have a question, Ruben. Uh-huh. Yes. What are we rating this movie? Out of our rating system, if you don't know it, is... Chopped up camp counselors. Chopped up or dead counselors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so out of my rating, I would give this about four dead counselors. Four chopped up counselors? Yeah. I think about, I, I would say four, four and a half. Four, four and a half? Chopped up counselors. Okay. Uh, just, just because the ending, I think I liked everything else about it. The soundtrack was immaculate. The oh, acting yeah. was beautiful. Just, yeah. I wanted more of the ending. No, I got you. Um... But yeah, no, like like you said, acting, everybody was phenomenal cast. Everybody did an amazing job. And, you know, they didn't have anybody else that did their doubles for them. It was them. So for them to kind of switch over the to make that different atmosphere that you could feel just by watching the movie was really interesting. You know, I, like I said, I would recommend this movie to, a, to other people. Highly recommend it. Yeah. And I actually want to watch a couple of his. Uh, he's had another couple come out. Uh -huh. I kind of want to add those into the rotation and see those too. Yeah, we'll have to if, we'll have to do another episode of those ones. Yeah, and I think yeah. one of them actually stars Jenna Monet, and I'm very excited about that because I Ooh, love her. That's interesting. Uh, but I think that is, uh, that's all I have to say about us. Well, awesome. And I think we are ready to tie this little package up with a nice <laughs> little bow. Alright, Spooky fans. Well, if um, you guys have any other comments or anything else that you guys saw in the movie that we might have missed, feel free to uh, send us a, a message via email, Facebook, uh, Instagram, anything like that. Don't forget to check out our next episode uh, next week where we'll be going over another movie. You're just going to have to wait and find out to see what we're going to be watching. Um, and as always, this is your, uh, your host, Ruben, and... This is Quinn. Don't forget to stay spooky, friends. Bye.